0: He loves you. Here comes the Spudman. Man. He goes down easy. Here comes the Spudman.
1: Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo.
2: And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. My name is Spud, Spud Goodman. (laughs) The
3: Spud Man.
1: (sighs) I'm laughing all the way to the bank.
2: (laughs) So welcome one and all to this ongoing radio experiment. Now, now we don't, you know, have a bunch of test tubes here in the studio, but we do have a lot of empty beer cans and a few stale donuts around in our effort to pump out a product that that is a bit different than most radio shows out there. Our alleged uh, lack of professionalism has been mentioned as management seems so focused on this meaningless issue. My, my feeling is that word is very subjective. And you know, you know, being professional as a radio talk show host is way overrated. There are more important things in life. All I wanted was
3: a fancy, just one fancy, and she wouldn't give it to me.
2: You know, I could see the value of it if we were talking about, like, maybe being an air traffic controller or, or a bingo caller. You know, you goof up calling out numbers in a mob of bingo players will flat out attack you with whatever they have handy. So with, with that being said, why don't we get going here and I introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. I, I think a good guffaw is in order, if you
4: would be so gracious. Oh, right now? Yeah. All right. ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> okay, don't overdo oh, it. You hurt yourself. Well, I, yeah, I feel okay about that one. Yeah, you did the job. Good job.
2: Okay. Oh, fine. Well, and, and now I'm obligated to acknowledge our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. This is your moment to shine. I'm feeling generous today. Take 2.5 seconds and acknowledge my acknowledgement of you. Um, think carefully, though, before using those 2.5 seconds as you will not get a do-over.
5: Uh, t- 2.5 seconds? Really? Okay, all right, okay, give me a second here. Oh, okay, okay, Th- this is Gerald Holcomb, and um, um, I-, I... Hey,
2: hey, hey, you were at 3.2 seconds before you got the hook with the buzzer. A clear display of mercy by Dave, because he buzzer, gave you more than buzzer I That before I he even started. He gave you 3.2, I said
5: 2.5. I don't believe it was 3.2 before I was cut off. Yeah, maybe 2.8 seconds, uh, Gerald, but no Gerald,
4: Gerald, you were clearly given adequate time to express yourself, and I you wasn't. failed. Well, don't whine and embarrass yourself further. No. Hey, hey, can I ask why
2: you're standing right now? Just yeah. sit down and relax. You're, you're making me uncomfortable. It's, it's like there's about to be a fire drill or something, and, and you're trying to get a head start on racing out of the studio. No, 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 no. And if anyone cares, I'm getting tired of those quarterly fire drills. Our executive producer feel are so important. I, I, I'm still, you know, pretty quick for my age. Uh, you know, I'll have no problem running out of a burning studio. You, on the other hand, look like you've lost more than a step or two. So so I get it why we we have to do these things, but there's
4: no need to stand. Well, listen, Gerald, I can help you up when we have to rush outside. Go ahead and sit down. No, no.
5: Listen, my standing right now is not because I cannot in a timely fashion exit this studio in case of an emergency. I can do that easily. Hell no, you can't! No. I am doing this symbolically to protest the kneeling of NFL players during the national anthem of this country the last couple of seasons. I will stand throughout this episode as my own response. Do
2: do you think Fox News is going to do a live cut-in during the program or something? Yeah, Fox and Friends starts right now. Uh, This is a radio show.
5: No one can see you standing here. Well, okay, I'm now making it clear to all listening. Yes, it's symbolic, but I feel it's a very strong statement that I hope the NFL players will learn about and maybe correct their behavior. <laughs> but
2: the kneeling thing is kind of yesterday's news. I, I don't believe many players even did it this last season and you know, they don't even show the pre-game national anthem anymore on TV. Even Trump has moved on to other topics to exploit at his rallies, you know, like caravans and scary immigrants.
6: And then you wonder why some people don't like me, folks. <laughs>
2: You kind of got to need to come up with some new topic to generate believable fake rage.
5: Well, I can assure you my rage is not fake. Just uh, look at my eyes. They are filled with emotion right now. That's so hot. I I can feel my blood pressure rising slightly to maybe uh, 130 over 80 as we speak. You you sort of do look like your head might explode. Should we find him a comfort
4: animal or something? My little Pepe is sleeping in my car outside. Oh, oh. Well, I can go get him if you think it would help.
2: Uh, no offense, Aunt Dorothy, but I think I'm allergic to chihuahuas. Oh. Pepe is a very nice dog, but yes. my throat you know, starts tickling as soon as he starts nipping at my heels.
3: Don't be so overly dramatic about it.
5: You, know, you guys, I don't need a comfort animal. I'm fine. And, yes, my knees are aching a little bit, but I will soldier on. I don't want to be disruptive, so... Just continue. It's a little late to be worried about disrupting the show. The
2: damage (laughs) is already done. You know how much I detest change. I'm very routine-oriented. But sure, continue to think about yourself, and by all means, stand up the whole damn
5: show. What the hell, yo? I'm sorry, Spud, but this is bigger than just about you. Uh, sometimes in life we have to take a stand. Uh, no no pun intended to make a larger oh, point. Right. Just
4: let me know when you figure out that point. Uh,
2: j- just don't mess with my rhythm in doing host stuff. N- no. And now it's time, you know, for our musical guest who I will be interviewing later in the program. Are, are you going to stand during their performance too? Yes.
5: Yes, I will.
2: Whatever. All right. Here is our musical guest, say hello to the Black Chevys.
7: pain from yesterday has gone away, spend your money on nothing, fancy clothes and diamond rings, Mercedes Benz, oh, did it get you real high, did it drop you down low? Go
1: This is
3: the Spud Goodman Show.
2: This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, this is Jeff Foxworthy, and I've reached the pinnacle of my career. I'm on the Spud Goodman Show. All right.
5: Uh, Spud. Yes. Your first guest, Michael Cudlitz, is waiting to speak with you. Okay. Now, you know, I am familiar with Michael's show on ABC, The Kids Are All Right. Now, it can get a little bit randy at times, don't get me wrong, but it's good to see a normal American family being portrayed on the television.
2: I think it takes place in the 1970s, but the family has like eight boys. Yeah, That's a really large family, so I don't know if it's the prototypical one. Oh,
4: my gosh. In real life, that size family would sure be a challenge for parents. No,
5: no, no not at all, Mrs. Jarvitz. I-, I can see your point when it's over double digits or double figures as that's a challenge to find a dinner table with a leaf that big, you know, to seat everybody. Look, alternative facts are not facts.
2: Okay, yeah, I get it. Your your church is all in on jumbo-sized families. That's cool. But for some parents, three or four kids are, are more than enough. In a small family. Hey, I, I'm moving on another topic. You do know that Michael has been in a bunch of other good shows, too, like Southland, great show, Band of Brothers, amazing, and The Walking Dead.
5: Oh, you, you know what? I Of course I've heard of that uh, dead show, but not yes. the others, I don't think. Oh, you, bro, ain't
6: we, oh, yeah, you ain't got the bro, answers. You ain't got the answers.
5: Not enough kids,
2: I guess. Anyway, uh, just put him through. Yeah, here he is. Please greet actor Michael Cudlitz. Thanks a lot for coming on our show.
6: Thanks for having me. What's yeah. happening? Yeah.
2: Hey, you currently co-star in the ABC series The Kids Are All Right, airing Tuesdays at 8.30, 7.30 Central. This is the show set in the 70s? Yes.
6: You know, it applies to to now, uh, you know, and especially back then, a family of all boys. You know, I have eight boys in the show, and I uh, have... Uh, two of them that are of age to be drafted Uh, and we have a family that is you know religion and government are extremely important in their lives they are they are sort of the guiding forces they they have not been let down by either and we're at a point in time right now where we're going to see if that continues
3: right you know it's like
6: everyone wants to be supportive everybody's proud of their their child that's a soldier Uh, but nobody wants to lose a child Right. And we see Mike sort of wrestle with the reality that that could happen uh, and how he processes that. So it's a, I think it's a really touching uh, episode. I think there's just a lot of really cool family stuff in it. Uh, it's fun. The show is so funny. You know, it, it's, it's crazy. You talk about the subject matter of Vietnam and then you sort of say, well, it's funny. And you're like, how, how can those two exist? Um, but it does. Because you have so many different dynamics going on in a household, and I think we we, we we play that really well. You have the the older boys who are processing everything with the parents, but then you have the younger kids that we we're trying to make sure that that this doesn't affect them because they're too young to understand. Right. So they know they're, they're kind of going along, still being you know nine and ten year olds, while the the rest of the family is processing this very adult theme and very adult topic. And. Well, uh, again, Tim Doyle does an amazing job. He's the the creator of the show. Right, does an amazing job of sort of dancing that uh, that fine line with with the seriousness of the topic and and still making the show funny and accessible.
2: You know, you know, we had your co star Mary McCormick on the show, and she described the rather high activity on the set because you know the Clarys have eight eight boys, so it's a good thing the prop department oh, yeah. can keep replacing stuff that gets destroyed, huh? It was. <laughs>
6: more about the, I'm more sort of surprised about the food. Uh, nice. We have these scenes that we have in the kitchens and we have, in the kitchen going into the dining room we have a lot of eating going on and I think those scenes, those dinner scenes are really the glue that kind of holds our, our family together. Uh, and you really see the chaos that happens and this, you know it, it's really just a, at any minute everything's about to come off the rails and, and yet it doesn't. Uh, and that's when I think our show sings and it's, It's sort of at its best when, when you really feel like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is all going to blow up on a 30 second. And it, and it doesn't. We make it through. Uh, and I think it's very telling about the, you know, the love that the parents have for the children, you know, buried in the, in the, you know, the sarcasm and the, the sort of, uh, fighting to tread water to keep our heads above water, uh, in this sea of, of boys who need us and, and sort of, you know, taking little bites out of us like piranhas. Right. Um, you know, and, and to see how we make it through. So it's, it's, it's a fun ride. It's any, anyone who's a parent can identify, and, and anyone who's been a kid can identify. So literally, you have no excuse. All right. You're, you are definitely in one of those camps
2: all right super well let, let me let me hit you with this because michael you've had a very impressive career and i'll always remember your work on southland one of the best dramas aired in the last 20 years i think it was a nice change from the other cookie cutter police shows that, yeah i mean that thing still holds up
6: thank you yeah we had a great time doing that show I'm very still very proud of it um and still remains one of the highlights of my career you know we did a lot of really wonderful storytelling um that I'm again proud to be part of
2: yeah, uh, impressive cast. Uh, at the top would be Regina King, uh, who we had on the show, and I just, I'm just i just a massive fan of her. So, I, yeah, all of your work. I mean, it was just a great show, but anyway. Uh, well, you know, another show you've been on that some people might be aware of? I don't know, The Walking Dead? I don't know. I don't know. You did three seasons. I think Never heard of it. I think it's still on the air. Um, so so we had one of your... Never own, heard of it. Never, had, ever heard of it. Yeah, I didn't think you had, but just try to refresh your memory for a sec. Um, You know, we had one of your old co-stars on, Josh McDermott, and... Uh, uh, he, he plays Eugene on the show, and he mentioned how much he enjoyed your untimely death as Abraham. Do they like flip a coin on the set to see who lives and who dies?
6: No, they—they—that they, stuff is very well plotted out, especially the the sort of iconic uh, comic book characters. Uh, there's a, there's a there's a balance that they need to strike where they're, you know, which I think they've they've actually in a good way. At this this point, it's a good thing. They've crossed the line, I think, and they've gone so far over the line that it's going to ultimately, I think, help reinvent the show. Um, But there was a line that they were following and and dancing between, which was the line between how accurate do we stay to the comics and how much does this TV show sort of live on its own and become its own living, breathing thing that is independent of the comics. Um, And I think they skated that line pretty well for a while, and now they've crossed over into the fact that the TV show is a completely different entity now, um, especially with who is still alive in the show and how the stories are being told. Now, the geography, the, the, you know, the storytelling components that are coming up in the future, those will definitely you know, be similar. We'll meet things, characters, places that we've been to in the, in the graphic novels but we won't necessarily visit those places with the same characters that we visit them in the, in the, with the graphic novels. Right. So I, I think they are, are two very independent uh, items right now.
2: All right, super. All right. Well, you know, before you got in front of the camera, you had extensive experience in other aspects of production, like you worked in the art department on a bunch of shows. Straight up, what job's tougher, in front or behind the camera?
6: I think behind the camera, you know, is is tougher because of the hours. Um, you know, I, I we work very long hours as actors, but every once in a while we do we get days off here and there, or maybe we only work two scenes of a four-scene day or one scene of a five-scene day, and the rest of that time, you know, we we, we have to go work on other stuff or you know prepare for other work. But generally speaking, the, the crew is there from you know before call till after wrap, and. Uh, you know, it's and you know a lot of times it's a very thankless job. Right. Um, right. The, our crew is amazing. Our crew, crew in this show, our crew. I've worked with amazing carpenters um, and you know tradesmen who are just phenomenal at what they do, and uh, couldn't be more proud of the, the company I keep.
2: Do people behind the scenes get to hit the craft services table? Because if I was even a janitor, I'd figure out a way to snag enough free food to supplement my food budget.
6: Oh, I think it's more—it's more for them than anybody. Oh. Huh. Um, yeah, it's like it's that—that's one of the one of the things you know. They always say that that a crew runs on its stomach. Uh, yeah. We have wonderful yeah. lunches and wonderful craft service. You know, stuff that we can pick and graze at during the during the day. And it's, the reason is because they want to keep everybody happy because you you are you know working really long hours and they got to keep you happy and keep your energy up. Yes. Yes, I like that.
5: Spud, What? I have to say, your obsession with craft services is getting a bit, I don't know, tedious in your interviews. What is the big deal about food? It seems to be your only focus in life. Hey, Michael, just a sec. Great. As I've said a thousand
2: times on this show, it's all about the magical aspect of free food. Free food. I know you've never been, you know, in a happy hour at a bar in your life. But trust me, nothing tastes better than free chips tacos, wings, sliders, heck even freaking carrots if the ranch is halfway decent. It's a very special experience for me and don't try to minimize how awesome it is for millions of other
4: people too. But what really is interesting to me Spud is you're a vegetarian but if there's free food laid out you just can't say no. I still can't believe you will eat wings as you hate chicken
2: Yeah, and
4: you've always said why do you think they call it foul? I know, but it just tastes different at happy hour. Yeah, but oh, a- a- as boy.
5: fastidious as you are, I'm surprised you would eat at any establishment that served alcohol. You know, inebriated cooks and bartenders probably don't wash their hands. And who knows what germs they're spreading around in those saloons?
4: <laughs> nothing a few shots of Jager won't sanitize.
2: I'm not into that. Oh, too many bad experiences. And, and, and you, yeah, you, just yeah. keep your opinion about craft services and happy hour to yourself. Fine. And let me get back to Michael if you don't mind. Okay, I have returned. Let's do it, yep. Well, hey, hey, I know you got a scoop, but here's my last question. If you could play any figure in the history of of man in a major motion picture, who would it be?
6: You know, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been asked that, and I'd probably have to reassess my, my goals because I've, I've been really, really fortunate and I've kind of done most of the things I want to do. I would love something, I would love to do a Western. I know that's not a specific character, uh, but I, I, it's something I have not done yet. Ooh, you'd be good uh, and at that. That I would love to do. Yeah. All so, right. Yeah. Well, it'd be fun. Yeah.
2: My dream is to play Shemp in the Three Stooges if I ever could get an acting gig. But he didn't talk a lot. But he's able to well, express
6: his go. humanity through, yeah. you know, Look, facial Look, no, I've been, I've been so fortunate. Uh, you know, I, I, I got nothing to complain about. I've, right. been, I've been a very, very, very lucky man.
2: All right. Well, let, let me say again be, that before uh, our listeners uh, move on. They need to know that the Kids Are All Right Aries each Tuesday night at eight thirty, seven thirty 30 Central. Thanks so much for checking in with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. There you have, it, Mr. Michael Cudlitz.
0: There's still more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman radio show, right after this brief intermission.
1: He had no money, he had no sense in his brain, he was but Goodman. But that didn't get in his way. He was a blind receiver on the wall of shame. And all the people joined in because they like how oh, he swayed. He swayed like this. That's Bud Goodman. That's Bud Goodman. 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 Bud Sp-
0: Spud Bud we now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show.
5: Uh, Spud, our show's resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson, is waiting to speak with you. Uh, you know, I'm really hoping she won't be too graphic in her segment, as my wife Rachel is listening to the show, you know. I don't think your wife will be offended, as, as we'll be talking about human sexuality. It, uh... it,
2: it's like a legit subject. they They teach it in universities and stuff. This, this lady
4: has her own blog, man. And we're never too old to learn new tricks in the bedroom.
5: Well, my okay. wife and I feel that topic is best left up to quiet discussions in the privacy of our homes, if need be. Hmm. Uh, you know, some, sometimes one can talk too much about a topic, and it can be a bad experience.
2: We're talking about educating ourselves about sex. And from what I've heard, well, there are way too many dumb guys. So hopefully this segment will will be a public service. Just
5: put Christine through. Yeah, very well. Here she is.
2: Welcome back to the show, our resident sex therapist, Christine Gregson. Thanks for calling into our show.
8: It's my pleasure. I enjoyed our conversation the last time I was on your
2: show. You did? Really?
8: Yeah, you have a very unique program, I must say. Well,.
2: Thank you. I think that's a compliment. So, since you're the only sex therapist I know, I-, I wanted to ask you about this tantric sex deal I keep hearing about. You know, mostly from women I- I've dated over the last couple of years. They seem to think it's, it's like, cool or something, and I don't even know what the hell it is.
8: Oh, you really want to get into it? You well... No small talk.
2: Yeah, I just... Yeah, just, I only have All so right. much time.
8: All right. Well, tantric sex is an ancient Hindu practice that goes back centuries.
2: Long time. Way back. Way back.
8: It's it's something that allows a very high degree of intimacy between partners. Okay. I personally recommend this for those who are unselfish lovers.
2: Um, well, I guess I'm not selfish, so that would make me unselfish. I'm I'm not real sure. What's the difference between being selfish and unselfish in sex?
8: Well, I would ask. Have your partners ever commented that you might want to be a bit more attentive in bed?
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, I I guess I've heard something about, you know, being more attentive in in and out of bed, really. Uh, A lot of the women I've been with over the years have been really, really big on that attentive thing. I guess I I need to step up in that area, too. Uh, Can you give me a tip or two about how to be more attentive?
8: Well, if you do attempt tantric sex with your partner, I would think it would take care of itself. Okay. As it will demand your total focus in lovemaking. You know, sessions can take up to 2 or 3 hours at time.
2: What? 2 or 3 hours having sex? That's that's a long time. It's just once or are you talking about like superhero sex? I I know Spider-Man, the Hulk or Sting could do it like 10 or 12 times in 3 hours. The problem is I am not a superhero or Sting.
8: <laughs> no. Uh, There's no need to be a sexual superhero or a celebrity highly skilled in that area. Okay. Cantric sex doesn't require multiple orgasms. One is usually more than enough as it's usually stretched out over a lengthy period of time.
2: Length again. There's that length word again. It's important. Okay, fine. Whatever. You
8: concentrate on the intimate connection between you and your partner. We're talking very extended foreplay without the goal of climax.
2: Well, that doesn't sound very... F- anyway, all right, all right. Um, well, it does take considerable patience and discipline. Well, yeah, I'm not really into discipline in bed. and Patience has never been a strength of mine either. I don't, I don't think this tantric thing is going to work for me, Spud Goodman, and, uh, unless there's like a, a quickie part two. Does that, I don't know if... Is that included in this thing? Because, I mean, anyone with ADHD like me could, could never pull off this two to three hour, you know, uh, session. That's just... <laughs> ah, that, that's not going to happen. Most people I'm it would be. How, how do you do that?
8: Well, I'm sure many adults who suffer from your issue with lack of focus have mastered basic tantric skills. Really? Yep. Ancient Hindu and yogic practice originate from basic human needs.
5: Spud. What? Well, this talk about tantric sex, orgasms, climaxes, you could get arrested for indecency. Hey, Christine, I need a quick moment here. This discussion's a lot
2: tamer than, you know, Dr. Ruth was when, remember when she was on our show? Don't be such a prude. Sex is a natural
5: part of life. Yes, within the bounds of marriage and in the effort of procreation. You just don't get it that you will never enjoy a good, healthy sex life until you marry the right woman and attempt to have a child. Yes, the process is a wonderful one that I hope someday you can share.
2: I think a couple times when I was married, kids were, you know, sort of a thought when we had sex. It it didn't seem to impact things, you know, really, one way or another, except that I didn't have to go to the drugstore to buy condoms. That was a plus.
5: No, I don't think you grasp what I'm saying here.
2: Well, well, probably not. Just, Just keep your opinions to yourself and let me finish up this segment. All right, I'm back. I'm sure
8: that many adults who suffer from your issue with lack of focus have mastered basic tantric principles. Ancient Hindu and yogic practices originate from basic human needs.
2: Okay. You know, intimacy
8: right. intimacy is something that all living beings
2: crave. Even guys that are creeped out by most other humans cuz intimacy requires a lot of effort. That's what I that's what I've learned over the years. It, it really helps if I'm attracted, you know, or at least not be scared of who I'm with to be intimate, you know, you know, with to pull it off. Uh <laughs> Are you often frightened of your sexual partners? Well, you know, sometimes. But I try to avoid getting in bed with those women as it's a lose-lose proposition, and it never, ever ends well.
8: Well, Spud, I'm feeling like this is an area that might be better dealt with in a private session. Private? Do you have a therapist? Or Uh, someone that you see regularly?
2: Well, yeah, I do have a therapist and a backup therapist, too, you know, when Hmm. I can't get in to see my main one
8: probably ask for some guidance on this issue at your next session
2: I, uh, you know okay.
8: <laughs> i really should be going now but i hope you're able to enhance your sex life as it sounds to be somewhat sad for a lack of a better term
2: yeah well sad's pretty accurate uh, yeah anyway okay i won't keep you on the line is this the last time you're gonna do our show because i promise next time it'll be better and yeah, this one was kind of weak I'll, yeah, I'll be honest
8: I most certainly will come back on your show. Just really? let me know when. All right. Super. Yep. Yes.
2: Take care. All right. You too. We, okay. We're going to be back in a sec. Spud goodness <laughs> to a new low. Spud goodness to
3: a new low.
2: Spud. Right.
0: This is a Spud
2: Goodman Show. Uh, uh, uh. Ah!
5: Looks just like the real thing.
2: Uh, so are you ready to
5: sit down now? It's really getting on my nerves. Yeah, I will not sit down, Spud, as I'm trying to make a point here. Just like that uh, Colin Coppernuck, uh, he is the one who started this whole thing, right? Or, or was it an NBA player? Shut up! Shut up!
2: Shut up! Uh, I think Colin Kaepernick was the first player at an NFL game to protest. You know how how you know law enforcement in the criminal justice system uh, just needs to make some changes to ensure safety and fairness. It wasn't about disrespecting the f- the flag or the military like a lot of fans thought. Geez, well. but, but once Trump called them S.O.B.s, a whole lot more players started kneeling,
4: and it just kind of blew up from there. But now it seems to have died down. So why stir things up? Well. The NFL had to pay off Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reid to settle their collusion lawsuits. I know, I know. No collusion. Well, they won't release the figures, of course, but I think they got a lot of money for Sure. And they should probably give trump a cut of that settlement
2: yeah like i said earlier he still brings it up occasionally you know when he does his greatest hits act but now i think he's found other stuff to milk it's yesterday's news so can we just please change the subject okay. y- no no
5: i whoa i will never let this become yesterday's news FYI, did you know that I keep all of my old newspapers in our basement? I have over 17 years stored up right now. Okay. I I had to add on to our basement, actually, to make room. So believe me, yesterday's news is still very real to me. I can touch it.
2: Okay, good to know. So can, Can I ask why this particular issue gets you so revved up? Yeah. I mean... When this thing was being talked about by everyone, I never heard a peep from you, Mr. Meek and Mild. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Well, the only other time I've seen you so worked up was when you thought that locker room remark Trump made about grabbing women's body parts was misinterpreted by the media.
5: Oh, yeah. Do not get me started about how the mainstream media got that story all wrong. Oh, brother. Their nasty minds were working overtime. Everyone knows what Donald Trump was actually saying. Grab him by the He is a well-known lover of cats. I have read on Breitbart that he saw the Broadway play Cats like 45 times. The theater was only a few blocks from Trump Tower, and he actually took nine of his cats with him to the White House. Uh, He left the others at his penthouse. I I guess the maid is now taking care of them. But the man loves cats. Cats, okay? People need to do some research on their own.
1: Yeah, the president does not own a dog. Never has in his lifetime. I don't trust anyone who doesn't like dogs. Shut up and dribble.
2: Um, Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that one, Chance. For once, we actually do agree on something. Okay, uh, I am begging you, Gerald, can we please change the subject now as
5: just, just time uh, this to move... Is, this is one more example of the liberal media trying to ignore those speaking truth to power. Okay,
2: I guess I plead guilty to being a member of the media, you know, barely, but I stipulate to that accusation.
5: Yeah, well, it, it's just a figure of speech, but, but you get the point.
2: Well, I can assure you... No NFL player holds any real power. I mean, besides Tom freaking Brady. Tom Brady loves me. I mean, these are football players we're talking about. If if they want to express themselves, let them. Save your booze for when they drop an obvious touchdown pass or miss an easy field goal. That hits home to all Americans as it can really mess up a fantasy team.
4: Well, well, when I grew up attending Catholic school and was going to Mass, kneeling wasn't much fun but it didn't seem all that controversial. I still don't get why all those angry old white men on talk radio got so much mileage out of that topic.
1: I bet most of those angry hosts on talk radio don't have a dog either.
2: That is messed up, yo. Again, I'm I'm kind of finding myself agreeing with our community college intern who's, uh, you know, Actively involved in a wholly inappropriate relationship with my only living aunt. I guess it's something that that brings us together. Anyway. Hey, uh, right now, I need to interview our musical guest, okay? Oh, yeah. As it's musical guest interview time. All right. So, here are the black Chevys. Please uh, ID yourselves and the instrument you're playing.
8: I'm Rob Ross. I play bass.
7: I'm Maya Marie. I'm the vocalist and acoustic guitar player.
2: I'm Cameron, and I play drums. I'm George Yoder, I play electric guitar. Hey Rob, I don't think they heard. Why don't you step back up there? I'm Rob Ross, and I play bass. Alright, super. So how would you guys describe the black Chevy's sound?
7: We're rocking soul, driven to rock your soul.
2: Oh, yeah, I like wow, that. Yeah. Um, so, so what's the band's go-to junk food, you know, when you really need to sneak a snack?
1: That would definitely be tacos.
2: Tacos. Okay. All right. Um, I myself usually opt for a bag of Funyuns because they're they're very handy. You can they're mobile. You can take them with you. And but just you know. Right. We yeah. only
7: have one food group and it's tacos.
2: Tacos. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, which band member has the most annoying habits? You know, like talking with their mouth full or cracking Definitely their knuckles. Me. Who?
7: Me. The oh. Singer.
2: Oh, you're, you, oh, you're stepping I'm up and taking. Just loud. Oh.
7: I'm just loud all the time, and uh, yeah. I don't
2: care. I'm the rest of you guys concur? I don't want to yeah, start no, any issues. but. I agree. <laughs> okay, all right. That'd be a third from me. Yeah, Unanimous. Okay. So is there a band or artist out there that you as musicians look up to, someone that maybe you're trying to pattern your career after? Uh, Howlin' Wolf, maybe? Howlin'
7: Wolf?
3: Okay. All right. All right, yeah. super.
2: Well, um, one more... Kind of uh, music biz question. Uh, no, I'll tell you what, forget about that. Let's go out. Forget about the music business right now. On this one, do, do you, any of you have any like interesting hobbies, like taxidermy or maybe collecting bobbleheads, something that's interesting?
8: I play basketball every day. I like to beat high schoolers and people
7: younger and not as good as me.
2: Oh, so I like that. I play the clarinet. A clarinet. Wow. wow. Yeah. Super.
7: For fun. The
2: rest of you guys. I used
7: to do marching band. But it's like
1: Okay. I like razor clamming. I just tried to catch a gooey duck the other night, but it's tough, especially in the winter. Sometimes I like to ride around a razor scooter do a little tail whips every once in a while, grind
2: on rails, you know, the bee's knees. Okay, super. So what is the name of the next song and what's it about?
8: The next song is called Come On Baby just about being
7: infatuated with somebody.
2: All right. Okay. When
7: you really want them, you know, and you, you just think about them.
2: That would be so cool to have somebody All really want you. That would be really cool. All right, let's do it.
0: is the spud goodman radio show
6: yeah this is this has been Charlie murphy on the spud goodman show where we put it down for real that's right oh
5: hey spud i'm being told your next guest uh cliff sims is on hold for you uh okay
2: thanks you know cliff has uh really been in the news he's done a lot of shows on TV, radio, whatever, promoting his, his new book, Team of Vipers.
4: I, is that about snakes? <laughs> oh kind of, Gerald. It's about staff members serving Donald Trump in the White House. Cliff worked there.
2: Get him out of here. Uh yeah, he was right like, away. Yeah, <sighs> uh, like in the belly of the beast and lived to tell all about it.
5: Oh, so another example of our commander in chief being ill served by members of the deep state.
2: Uh, yeah. I don't think any of his staff members are in that
5: uh, deep state, whatever that is. Oh,
4: I think deep state these days means government employees who don't wear mega hats. Oh,
5: listen, I wear my MAGA hat proudly. Uh, I mean, honestly, mostly at home, as out in public, I, it can get a little risky. Like, <laughs> if I see a group of liberals at the mall, I, I just put it on backwards, and my wife feels it gives me kind of a hip look. Don't go out there with that hat on.
2: Yeah, just, just put Cliff through, please. Yeah, here he is. Say hello to author and former Trump administration official Cliff Sims, who has a new book out titled Team of Vipers, published by Thomas Dunn Books. Uh, Cliff, before we get going, I understand you're still a loyal supporter, but I was going to run this by you. Uh, you know, do you now get, like, invitations to public events and gatherings uh, you know, it's kind of toxic to be an active member on the team these days, don't you think? So a former might get you the invitations. I'm just curious.
9: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't really think about it that way. I don't care if I get invited to the White House or, or I don't care if I get invited to any kind of party or anything. I mean, I just don't care that much. Uh, but, yeah, for, it does feel good, I will say, to have that former uh, in there just for the sheer fact that I don't have to deal with so much of the craziness anymore.
2: You were never yelled at in public or like at the movies or the mall, were you? Um,
9: I, a little bit. I mean, there have definitely been times, especially when I lived in New York City uh, during the campaign, where if you had on a Trump shirt or jacket or whatever, where people would, you know, shout at you. But I certainly never felt like no one ever threatened me physically or anything like that.
2: Right. Well, in the book you wrote, there were many staffers who were not loyal to Donald Trump. I'm guessing that's where you got the title, Team of Vipers. Why do you think these people risk their careers to resist and sabotage their boss?
9: Well, I think there ultimately is something about working in the White House that is particularly irresistible for people who have devoted their entire lives to working in politics. Uh, that wasn't me. I didn't have, you know, I've never been a political staffer before, but. For a lot of people on the Republican National Committee, this was kind of the be-all, end-all for for them. And so they wanted to come in and work for him, even though they hated him. And I kind of document, you know, the the behind-the-scenes of what that looked like um, inside. Uh, There's one scene that's gotten a lot of pickup of the president bringing me into the private study and asking me, who are these anonymous White House officials saying bad things about me? And kind of walk through, you know, Mr. President, don't forget that these are the people— who abandoned? There were people that abandoned you on the campaign. Who you then brought into the White House. So it should be noted that they're abandoning abandoning you when it's tough in here as well. So I go through a lot of the behind the scenes infighting. Right. Uh, and yeah, that's why the book is called Team of
2: Likers. Well, when when you were involved with the president, you know, uh, compiling the a uh, sort of enemies list, um, did it take serious murder she wrote skills to ID people, or was it pretty darn easy to pick out the non believers?
9: Well, it's pretty easy because I was, you know, when the president wasn't in the room, I was in the meetings with these people when they were rolling their eyes and trashing him and, you know, whatever. So it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who they were. Uh, but, you know, in, in retrospect, it's one of those things about my time in there that I regret uh, that when I say team of vipers, I mean, I participated in some of that, uh, that, you know, at the time I justified you know dishing on these people to the president by saying it would be better for him if they weren't here but ultimately it would have been better for me if they weren't there and so i got caught up in a lot of the backstabbing and a lot of the infighting as well and so i just felt like if i'm going to point fingers at other people i better be willing to tell the truth about myself too and uh, i try to do that in, in the book
2: well i, I- I don't know who was on the list exactly, like members of the media, because I am a member of the media. And I actually, I did interview him on my TV show way, way back. He wouldn't remember me, but I got to say this it would make my career to be on his enemies list. And maybe I could get like a, a <laughs> really a, really nickname like Stupid Spud. That would be so cool. But yeah, I suppose <laughs> he saved it for the big wigs, right? It was just like the big, big time media guys that were on the list.
9: Well, there, there were no, it was only staff. It was only oh. other staff on the list. There oh. were no, no media on there. And then it, Stephen Colbert, when I went on the Colbert Show, he, uh, he he said, you know, who was on the list or whatever, and I made a joke about him. You know, sorry, I only put you number two on the list, and people latched onto that like I was that I was being serious. That there were media people on the list, but no, they were not on there. But I can make a case for you uh, if you need me to, though. I can give it a shot. Oh,
2: that would be
5: home. cool, uh, Spud. What? Well, why, may I ask, would you want to be on an enemy's list of our Commander-in-Chief? It makes no sense career-wise. That's the last thing you need, as a matter of fact. I will say, I am very tired of the mainstream media oh, mainstream taking shots at our president, and though Cliff says there are no members of the media on any list, I can think of a few that sure deserve to be. Hey Cliff, I need a brief moment here. Why don't I deserve to be on the list,
2: too? You know, on the show, I point out all the time how big of an egotistical <laughs> Trump is. You know, it takes one to know one. I'm an expert.
5: Y- yeah, but, but I don't believe you qualify as a real member of the media. I- I'm just saying.
4: Well, I I hate to d- agree with Gerald here, but on this one, Spud, you are kind of like a mosquito or a fruit fly in the larger scheme of things, the president and his band of sycophants have bigger fish to fry.
2: I find that very insulting, you guys. I mean, why do I even do the show then?
5: (laughs) Why don't you wise up and take another look at what he's doing for this country? He has made America great again. And now we need to keep America great. Spud, just admit what is obvious. He is the greatest president in our history. Long
4: live Donald Trump. Uh, Do you mean president for life?
5: If so,
2: then I'm going to be purchasing some cyanide tablets on my way home, and uh, I'll I'll be ready to sign off for good. Now, now just let me finish this up with Cliff. Cliff. All right. My apologies. I'm back. Well, you know, when your book came out, I, bu- I believe Trump was not real pleased and maybe he, he didn't give you a nickname. But uh, I think he said you were a nobody like pretty much everyone that leaves voluntarily or gets in- indicted. And I, I, again, I understand you're still a loyal supporter of his, But did it hurt when he minimized what you did in service to his presidency? And You spent like 500 days in hell for him.
9: Well, I think it's important to understand that, that I'm, I'm a supporter of the agenda. I am a conservative, but I, I do kind of separate the personal side of that. Uh, uh, because look, the guy's coming after me now. I mean, they filed an arbitration against me for the book and, right. uh, you know, tweeted what he tweeted about me. And I, I knew that that would happen. It certainly doesn't hurt my feelings because, like you said, it's not personal to me. It does it to everybody. Uh, but you do kind of feel like, you know what, I was loyal to you when I was in there. I I was, you can ask any member of the press, I would, I refused to say a negative word about the guy because um, I I was working for him and I didn't think that that was was right. And so I do think that one thing is that I learned there, and this is the last chapter of the book is all about, loyalty is a one-way street with Donald Trump. And I learned the one unfailing rule of Trump world, which is if you don't share his last name, you're disposable. And the yeah. last chapter of the book is titled Disposable. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like it. It doesn't feel great, but it also doesn't hurt me.
2: Well, considering everything, I'd still say you're, you're still fairly loyal. But anyway, from I've, I've followed the press tour and everything. and I know you've made a lot of appearances and everything, and I... You've been very kind, let's put it this way, much more kinder than I would be if I was in your shoes. But anyway, let, let me hit you with this.
9: Well, I just uh, let, well let me touch on that. I just want to be honest. Like, there are things he get, the guy gets a, a, a bad rap for, I think, unfairly, and I'm willing to say that. On the flip side, I'll criticize him when I when I disagree with him. And that's where I think he doesn't know how to act because he, he demands unfailing, you know, laudatory comments at all times in right. public. And that you just can't be honest and do that. So anyway...
2: Well, you know, you're quoted in the book as describing Kellyanne Conway as being a a cartoon villain brought to life. I think millions would agree with that assessment. And you mentioned Corella DeVille (laughs) came to mind. Did you ever hang out with her much? Because it it would test your humanity, but it wouldn't be boring.
9: Uh, I I definitely spent a lot of time with Kellyanne. And the scene that you're referencing was when uh, she had called me up to her office to write a statement defending her against accusations that off air she would trash Donald Trump. And Uh, As I sat there on her laptop typing that statement, uh, she forgot that her iPhone and her laptop were synced, and so I could see her text messages, and she was trashing Trump and trashing her colleagues, the members of the press, and I kind of watched that happen in real time. So it was definitely uh, an eye-opening experience, uh, kind of a window into who Kellyanne Conway really is.
2: Yeah, well— I know I do dig her husband's tweets. He's a good tweeter. But so let me ask you this. Um, After writing this book, can you count on getting a letter of recommendation or a good word from President Trump for your next job? Because you're going to get a next job. (laughs) Uh,
9: Well, the good news is uh, uh, I don't need it. And uh, because I don't think that I would get it. And, uh, you know, I'm a longtime entrepreneur and uh, I've got some other businesses going now and enjoying my life outside of politics and just watching the craziness from the outside looking in at this point.
2: all right super well you're um you're a good sport i gotta say that uh yeah i mean okay anyway let me say once more to our listeners that you have a new book out titled team of vipers published by thomas dunn books and is available everywhere and that's everywhere so thanks so much for coming on our show
9: oh i appreciate it had a great time thank you
2: there you have it mr cliff sims This is the Spud
3: Goodman Show. What else is there, man?
1: My! How time flies! Spud? Yeah? We have a caller who wants to join in on the discussion. What should I do?
2: I'm kind of burned out on, you know, talking to people on the phone, so just tell him or her to, you know, to check back with us another time. Why does it seem listeners always wait until the end of the show to call in? I don't know. I mean...
5: Where were they earlier? I could have used a witty collar or two. So that's a no? W- wait, I don't want to be insubordinate here, but I want to take the call. If he or she is supportive of my protest, I haven't stood this long for years, so I could use some positive feedback right now. Stop being a weak!
4: I told you, Gerald is soft and couldn't last more than a half hour or so. You
5: know, I can assure you I'm not soft. It's just I have bunions and a, a partially pulled left buttock right now. And, and, you know, I've got two ingrown toenails. Okay, I'm, okay. I'm trying to power through these physical issues, but I, I'm a big proponent of the term no pain, no gain.
1: If anyone cares about my opinion, I say standing is a really dumb way to protest anything, especially on a radio show.
5: Yes!
2: You know, Chance, as a disaffected, often low-energy intern, occasionally you make sense.
5: You know, we're on the same page with the standing thing. Yeah, my actions are not directed at people like you, Spud. I'm trying to reach all true blue Americans true who find blue. that Cullen guy very, a uh, very poor role model, those that want to make America great again.
4: Excellent. America was already great, and I think Colin Kaepernick is getting the last laugh on this one. He's doing quite well right now, courtesy of that multi-million dollar deal with Nike, and his jersey is a top seller too, which is impressive as he's not even playing anymore. Uh, not yet, at least.
1: That is an interesting point, Dorothy.
4: Oh, Why, thank you, sweetie.
1: Um, okay, Spud, that's enough. so okay, nice. do I hang
2: up on the collar or not?
5: No, absolutely not. Put him through, Chance.
2: Um, Do we have the makings of a silent coup going down here in the studio? We're coming for you, globalist! F- fine, just just put the put the collar through. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about uh, something that's important. I know me,
3: this guy? And, You know, familiar. really it's to everyone. I, I can't speak for those who live know. in other countries because I've never been out of America. Uh, flying and I don't mix well.
5: Caller, uh. call I, I want you to know I, too, have some issues with flying. I found it very comforting to bring an eye cover and sound-deafening earplugs. Uh, my <laughs> wife, Rachel, puts them on me when the plane gets ready for takeoff, and it seems to have a calming effect for me. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. You know, she's mentioned occasionally fellow passengers will make snide remarks, but it's allowed us to visit her parents, who reside in Indiana, once a year, yeah, okay, okay, generally on Columbus Day. Yeah. <sighs>
2: Well, okay, that's nice. But I wanted to talk about something besides fun. Uh, uh, caller, I don't think this uh, kneeling thing is that big of a deal anymore. Oh, Do you? I would
5: strongly I mean, disagree with that statement. But I myself feel that it is a
3: huge... Uh, uh, excuse me, excuse me. But I am the caller, and time is money,
2: you know. Oh. I'd like to say something
3: oh. here.
4: This one has a bit of attitude, don't you think?
2: Right? Okay, caller, give us your take, but make it brief because we're running over time here. Well, uh, I don't have an opinion on this kneeling stuff. What I'm calling about is this.
3: What the heck has happened to the value of baseball cards? Innocent people have lost a ton of money. It's a travesty and no one's talking
2: about it. You talking to me? Well, baseball trading cards? I'm sorry, I have no clue what you're referring to. I mean, who cares about baseball trading cards? I doubt our listeners in other countries like the UK or South Africa do. Millie, it's got to sound really dumb to them, no offense.
3: No, 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 no. Wait a minute. I know quite a few people who've lost their nest egg as a result of this travesty. I personally took a giant risk on, you know, what is, by the way, our nation's pastime,
4: baseball. Yeah,
3: okay. 15 years ago, I moved most of my 401k into investments
5: in baseball card trading cards. Oh, I'm sorry to hear this, caller. Well,
4: I don't feel sorry for him at all. What kind of person puts their retirement funds into baseball trading cards? What no, 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 hell Listen, do listen. You listen. Have at one time, lose. a Darrell
3: Strawberry rookie card was worth a pretty pay. Many. And not that long ago, people were making fortunes in baseball cards. You guys are obviously uneducated on this topic.
2: Uh, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I, I don't. I, I disagree. Well. You, you know, I do have a CPA, and yeah, he's mostly retired. he's, I think he's like ninety-two. But, but I think if it was a good idea, he would have told me about sinking what little retirement money I have into baseball trading cards.
5: So, caller, is there any way for you to recoup your investment? Like, what went wrong?
2: Well. Uh,
3: okay, I went all in on a few players that, uh, well, I mean, their value is somewhat damaged. Uh, I'll name a few. Barry Bonds, uh, Roger Clements, oh, recently, Robinson oh, Cano. I bought one. a bunch of Cano cards that are now worth, oh, maybe like 10 cents on the dollar. Now I can't retire. A whole lot of guys won't. It's, it's,
2: yeah, okay, I mean, okay. Now, look, next time you might want to put your money into players who don't use performance-enhancing drugs because it's illegal. I'm Kenny Powers! Or something, if not illegal, it's against the rules. Maybe just go all in with players who have like horrible stats but but are scared of needles. You know, I should say though, I'm grateful radio talk show hosts are not drug tested, there'd be a whole lot of dead air.
7: This guy's been stumped since the third grade. All right,
2: right, we gotta go now. I'll have to close the show. That's what I gotta do right now. I would say thanks for calling in, but frankly, this conversation was a big waste of time. I can hear people tuning out as I speak. Later. Oh, no, no,
3: hey, hey, can I leave my contact information in case anybody wants to buy some of my cards? I have a ton
2: for sale. Uh, no, I hey, this I'd is like not a swap meet, specific. dude, okay? Someone hang up on that guy, all right? Yeah. Now, now. All right, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye.
0: Copyright 2019, Spud Goodman Productions.